Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this final leg of Season 5, I'm reading my way through every single goddamn page in The Revenge of Kang, the final module in the Time Warp Adventure series for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes role-playing game. And as I do, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on each page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Revenge of Kang was written by Ray Winninger and was published in 1990. Today we're discussing the back cover of The Revenge of Kang. Other than the logo for the Marvel Super Heroes role-playing game, the big title logo, The Revenge of Kang, TSR's address, and so on, all that's here is a little teaser for the adventure, a little indicator to the potential buyer what they're getting from The Revenge of Kang. I'm going to read it because I think it provides evidence that this adventure is not what anyone expected, including probably the author. Quote, What if the Fantastic Four were never born? How many other heroes would be affected? Who would die? Who would not decide to become a hero? Who would switch sides and become a villain? This is what Kang wants to happen. He and his alternate reality duplicates have targeted the early 1960s as the time space to begin their, his, domination of the planet Earth. The plan? To eliminate the heroes of the 20th century, to make life easier for Kang. Lots easier. Can your supergroup foil this nefarious plot? Can you make it through the myriad of time streams, finding the right Kang at the right time? Have you ever operated a time machine in any of your lives? Well, you will now. As with the back cover of The Weird Weird West, I think this is a sad memorial to all the good ideas that were murdered before their time to produce the module we have been discussing. It's unbelievable how many things there are on this back cover. The back cover of this book describing things that aren't in this adventure, but it would be cool if they were. Aside from the fact that this portrays the overall thrust of the adventure as being the part where we go back and keep Kangs from eliminating superheroes, which was definitely the best leg of the adventure, other than the fact that that is portrayed as the core when it's in fact a a small portion of the book, as we've discussed before. This thing about considering who would die if certain heroes never existed. Like, in what cases would Hero X not be around because Hero Y wasn't around to save them? Uh, People not deciding to become heroes, or even deciding to become villains instead of heroes. That's an interesting topic that is never even touched upon in this book. It says here in the back that Kang and his alternate reality duplicates have targeted the early 60s as the time-space to begin their domination of Earth. That would have been a good idea, since the early 60s is when these things happened. But instead, everything was illogically and inexplicably shifted to the late 60s. We still don't know why, but this thing on the back cover about the early 60s indicates it, it must have been a choice at some point. This sentence here, quote, Can you make it through the myriad of time streams, finding the right Kang at the right time? Other than that one scene in the world without heroes at the very beginning, we're only ever in three dimensions, and like, one of them I would not consider to be a separate time stream. The shitty pocket dimension has nothing to do with events in the mainstream Marvel Universe. It's just a weirdo adventure location for us to kill time in. And then the world without heroes at the end of the adventure, I guess you could consider a parallel time stream to normal Marvel reality, but that would be weird because there's no clear point of divergence. There don't appear to ever have been anything like superheroes here, and there's no time travel shenanigans involved. It's just a different place, a different world. This idea of jumping among different time streams and seeing different alternate realities, and the different Kangs have been assigned to different alternate realities, whatever the specifics, this idea of skipping between different time streams and seeing what their divergence points are, that's interesting. But it's not here. We don't do anything like that. And this final question, this is this is the dumbest thing because it epitomizes the lack of polish on this whole thing. That penultimate sentence, quote, have you ever operated a time machine in any of your lives? Motherfucker, this is MT3. This is the third in an adventure series where we've been operating the time machine, 
And I know this can be run as a standalone adventure, but now, in retrospect, knowing everything you know about this book and the whole adventure series, are you really getting your full value out of this book if you haven't done MT1 and MT2? Whole big chunks of the introduction, advice to the GM, this back comic book page, the last, what, four or five chapters of the book, little notes about Kang's motives and secret actions all throughout the book are going to be useless to you. Clearly, this book is for people who have done MT1 and MT2. But at the same time, maybe it wasn't always. I have a strong suspicion that at some point this adventure had a life separate from this adventure path, because the conceptual core of the adventure about going back to the 60s and saving these heroes has so little to do with anything we've done in the adventure path up to this point. It feels like the adventure path specific stuff that we get at the end about all of this having been a work is like a retroactive kludge to get this adventure to connect to the previous two adventures, but it ends up being a failure on both counts. This is a book that a lot of it is going to waste if you buy it and you don't have MT1 and MT2. But if you are running as part of an adventure path, the players are going to be thinking through a lot of this adventure. What the fuck does this have to do with anything? And then at the end, when the big reveal comes, it's going to be, oh, I see the connection to the previous two adventures. They were make-believe scripted events foisted upon us by Kang so that we could introduce and resolve a totally different plot to take over the multiverse in like the last five pages of the last book. This sentence, have you ever operated a time machine in any of your lives? It's emblematic of the problem. If you wanted these three adventures to all be an adventure path together and tie together, you needed to take at least one more pass at them to make them fit together. I mean, you can begin to see the cracks in the Weird Weird West, but the Revenge of Kang, I mean, much like the comic book page at the end of the adventure, where we like rearrange all of the little panels of Kang and we rewrite his speech balloons to create a different ending, it feels like that was done to this adventure. It feels like a standalone adventure that was hastily cut apart with scissors and reassembled at the last minute to turn it into the grand finale of this adventure path. And you can still see all through the adventure path all the marks of when these were separate ideas that didn't have anything to do with this like synchronicity plan of Kang's. That's why we get things like Kang being surprised in the coach's house when we're doing the Spider-Man part of the adventure. All those things I mentioned in that episode with the big scheme reveal, those inconsistencies with this final reveal... All that shit's still there, and you wouldn't expect otherwise, because right here in the back of the book, whoever wrote this text didn't know we'd ever had a fucking time machine before this. Between hiccups like this, and plot inconsistencies, and maps that don't match the text, in really meaningful, game-altering ways, the dumbest thing on this page is not the author's fault. This whole adventure series, however many drafts it got, it desperately needed another one. And you know, I feel good about that being the end of this episode. The dumbest thing is not really the author's fault. The author has a lot to answer for throughout this adventure series, but today is a good day to acknowledge that a lot of the blame lies elsewhere. Speaking of which, join me next time for our final day of regular MDC coverage of this book as we stop beating up the author and start beating up the goddamn cartographer in our discussion of the fold-out map sheet on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact me however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's music, used under Creative Commons license, is Take Us to the Nearest Starbase by Astrometrics, whose work you can find at soundcloud.com slash astrometricsband. <laughs>